In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. A number of years ago, when I was uh, serving in the Diocese of South Dakota, I uh, attended a clergy conference that had as its focus helping us clergy get a better sense of the cultural differences that we were experiencing and how to deal with them in that diocese. As you can imagine, uh, the diocese made up half of Native Americans and half of non-Native people. There were many, many opportunities for misunderstanding and for uh, people to take offense for just not knowing what the other sometimes meant when they spoke. We really were living in two different worlds. It was very difficult. So the person who had been invited to lead this particular uh, clergy conference uh, put us through a simulation called Bafa Bafa. And Bafa Bafa, some of you may have experienced, is great fun. Uh, The group is divided into two smaller groups, and each one is assigned a culture. One culture is a culture that is based on the importance of relationships and of giving. The other culture is based on acquiring. Now, guess which one was the white culture and which was the native culture? (laughs) And we had a really great experience in that because some of us uh, were living in the culture that we were having the most difficulty with on a day in a day out basis. Well, as you can imagine, uh, that is the kind of experience that can be at one time uh, enlightening, but also very frustrating. But I think it's also true that we as Christians find ourselves in a somewhat similar situation. We have a foot in this world with its values and with what it says is important. And as Christians, we have a foot in the kingdom of God. And we hear Jesus saying that we are to be self-giving. We are to love our neighbor. We are even to love our enemies. And we're to care for those who have little. It's very hard, I think, for us sometimes to navigate between those two very different worlds. But I think that part of what we have come to understand as Christians, that the call to conversion of life is a call to step out of this world and to step into the kingdom or the realm of God. Now, there is another way of looking at this, I think. The kingdom of this world, I believe most most of us can recognize as a kingdom that values power and acquiring. And the kingdom of God seems to be focused more on love and on self-giving rather than acquiring. Henry Nouwen says that from the beginning of human history, we have been tempted to replace love with power. He writes... The long, painful history of the church is the history of people ever and again tempted to choose power over love, control over the cross, being a leader over being led. And it certainly was no different, I think, for Jesus and for his disciples. And the the, uh, gospel lesson that we have today is a very clear example of that. James and John come to Jesus and they ask for him to grant them whatever they ask. You can imagine they must have felt a little funny about asking this question with that strange lead in that they had. And then he tells them to ask and they ask if they can sit at his right hand and at his left when he comes into into his glory. They want power. Now, here are these people who have lived with Jesus for weeks upon weeks and have heard him preach and talk about love and of giving of self. And they come to him and ask 
about having a special place in his kingdom. We should not be too quick to judge because I think that we also have that many times at the center of of our activity, of our daily life. And especially in this culture, it seems that we are always trying to acquire and amass more and more and more. And it's very hard to live counterculturally and give of self or even just to give. I am very thankful that in this community and in this church, I think there is a lot of giving. And I think there is a lot of giving of self. And I really value it. Every time I see it, I'm reminded this is a person who is willing to step out of the kingdom of this world, even if it's just for a few moments, and step into the kingdom of God. Now, in this account, there is one thing that I especially want you to, uh, to see and to not miss. I want you to notice that Jesus listened to James and John. He did not dismiss them. He, he heard what their, where their request was, and then he forcefully, directly answered them and pointed them in another direction, pointed them in the way that he was walking. And he invites them to have a different outlook on life. He invites them into the kingdom. I find that encouraging because whenever I find myself caught up in the values and all the rest that makes up this world, I'm reminded that God will be patient with me just as he was patient with those disciples. I I believe the disciples really never got it until after the resurrection. If those who walked with him and heard him preach and teach and heal, if they didn't get it until after the resurrection, I think there's hope for us. And I think God, I think God will give us time to understand and to grow into God's kingdom. Jesus' response to James and John uh, challenges, I think, the values of the kingdom of this world. And you remember those words where he says, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. And he goes on to say that he is demonstrating this by his own giving of his life for the entire world, for the cosmos. Now, these words, I think, are, while they apply individually, I think they also apply to the church. And I give thanks that we have a presiding bishop who has held up before us the Millennium Development Goals and the importance of the church responding to the need that is around us in this world. And she has done a wonderful job, I think, in encouraging all of us to to give and to engage and to learn and understand the problems that surround so many people in their daily life. Now, we're very privileged this morning to have with us the Northeast Director of Church World Service. And, you know, today is the, uh, I think it's the 40th annual Crop Walk. Uh, Concord has one of the largest in the country. And we're very fortunate to have with us the Reverend Bert Marshall, uh, who is here for the forum and told us a little bit about what Church World Service does. I would like him to speak to you now about the plight of many people in this world and how Church World Service is reaching out. Thank you, Tony. We've had this planned for at least half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Forty-five minutes, even. This morning at the forum, I I, uh, 
I talked to what have I got, 15, 20 minutes? A uh, little less. Not quite. Okay, great. <laughs> this morning at the forum, I, I asked people if they liked my shirt. My, oh, by the way, I, I'm wearing crop walk clothes. It's our tradition out in Western Mass to wear our walking clothes on walk day, so that's why I look a little sh- shabby. But uh, <clears throat> I asked people if they liked my shirt, and, and I'm happy to say that most did, and, and if anyone did not, they did not speak up. And I mentioned that, that this shirt um, is, is made somewhere in Asia, I believe. I forgot to check the tag before I put it on this morning. Uh, and I asked, the, I asked them if they had any idea of, of how much someone got paid to make this shirt. It's a plain black men's casual dress shirt. Any ideas? Well, the guesses were around a few cents, three cents, five cents, which is probably about right. We don't know for sure. Um, and, and I mentioned that, that uh, while a shirt like this might cost uh, $30, $40, $50, $60 and up in, a, in an upscale uh, shopping location in this area, that I paid $3.65 for this shirt in Nova Scotia this summer at a place that I won't tell you about because I don't want it's a, it's a secret. I don't want you to know where, where we got this shirt. Um, but in any case, there are, brothers and sisters, there are, over a billion people in our world today, 1.02 billion, if you can get your mind around that somehow, who would have to work a minimum of four days to buy this shirt at $3.65. Over a billion people who make less than a dollar a day on God's beautiful green earth. Why? It's not because they're lazy. It's not because they're stupid. It's not because... God has predestined them to be poor or to suffer. It's not because they value human life less than we do. It's not because they are less worthy than we are. No. It's because we have not yet figured out how to create a just and fair and equitable world society in which all of God's people can live lives of sufficiency and dignity. We try. We continue to try. Church World Service has been working for 63 years to do this. And Crop Hunger Walks in their 40th year are one of the ways um, that we do that. Um, I also mentioned them this morning that there are, according to statistics again, here's another one you can use, approximately 36.2 million people who are suffering from extreme poverty in our own country, in the United States of America, 36.2 million people are going to be hungry today and not necessarily know where their next meal is going to come from. And somebody figured out, I don't know who does this, um, I'm glad that they do, I'm glad somebody sits around in their basement or their study somewhere and, and works up these statistical models, but somebody figured out that if those 36.2 million people were to line up single file at a food pantry in New York City that the line would stretch all the way to Los Angeles and back twice. It's a powerful visual, and it's a, it, it's a, a call to us, I think, to, to continue to work for God's justice among us. Very quick story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year in Haiti, I was traveling with a, group, uh, with a small group of staff Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. We were visiting villages in the, in the rural northwest of the country. And we, we were visiting a village 
up in some remote area, and we had been invited to visit a home of a woman who lived there. She was expecting us. We walked down a long path to get to her one-room concrete house with a tin roof, um, latrine and cooking facilities out back, and a curtain across the front door. And she welcomed us warmly with a, with a big smile into her house. We crowded in. People from the village followed us down the path, children, adults. They were all, we were all crowded into this house. And Gisela was her name. And she took out a jar of peanut butter, one of those wide mouth, clear jar, clear glass jars of peanut butter with about that much in the bottom. And she took a wooden scraper and a piece of flat bread and began to pile that peanut butter onto that flat bread. And people, it became clear to all of us that she was going to empty her jar of peanut butter for us as a gesture of hospitality. And one of our host pastors said, no, no, madam, it is too much. And he, and he took the bread from her and returned some of the peanut butter to her jar. And, and then he handed the, the bread to me and he said, here, pastor, you break the bread. And so on that day, I'll finish here. On that day in Haiti, in rural northwest Haiti, we broke bread together in this little house, in this little remote village in the poorest country of the Western Hemisphere. And, and I, we had peanut butter smeared all over ourselves. And people at the door held out their hands. And, and there was enough somehow for everyone. And the Holy Spirit was just ricocheting around in that little one-room house. But imagine, imagine that. Imagine giving up all that you have, because that was probably most of what she had to eat for that day. Imagine that, giving up all that you have to eat today to some people who are total strangers, simply as a gesture of, of God's hospitality. Imagine. Thank you, Bert. We did just decide to do this before the service because uh, I had heard... Bert, talk about the work that, uh, that he has done and also the work of Church Road Service and how many lives are being touched by it. And today there are people who are stepping out of the values of this world and stepping into the kingdom of God. They're going to be walking and walking so that others may be fed, so that others can eat. Today is also our Pledge Sunday, the day that we uh, celebrate this Thanksgiving, that uh, many things that we are so thankful for and a way of responding to God in Thanksgiving. And that, too, is an opportunity, I think, when we sit down and consider our pledge. It's an opportunity for us to think about the two worlds in which we live and the call of God to step over into the kingdom of God. I believe that 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 is at the heart of the Christian struggle day in and day out is how am I going to live in this moment? The only time that God gives to me this very moment, how will I choose to live? Will I live as a citizen of this world system or will I live as a citizen of the kingdom of God? You know, we're not going to ever do this perfectly. And I give thanks for the words of Luther when he says this. This life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness, not health, but healing, not being, but becoming. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. Today, in this moment, Jesus is calling each one of us to give of ourselves, to not just be acquirers of things, but to give of ourselves 
to make a difference in the lives of other people. Amen.